The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Half of the remaining playoff field let their temper show, and in the end, it was Kyle Bush who locked in a championship trip to Homestead. Here is how things currently stand. Bush into the championship four, and now the teams arrive at Texas Motor Speedway, the place where Jimmy Johnson won this spring. It was the first race after the track was repaved and reconfigured, and with only one race of its kind to fall back on, Drivers still have much to learn about what's possible at Texas. Welcome to NASCAR America, everybody. Carolyn Manna with you, joined by Kyle Petty and Dale Jarrett from Charlotte. The playoffs can bring out the best and the worst in the sport's most elite drivers. So far, a few specific matchups have caught our attention. So today we're going to pit them against each other and have our analysts decide who may prevail. Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott caught everybody's attention in Martinsville. Hamlin has had a string of impressive finishes overall, while Chase Elliott has top tens in three starts at Texas. DJ, let's start here. How do you see this particular battle playing out on Sunday? Well, it would be nice to see him battling again for the win. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know, I really like Chase Elliott in yeah. this matchup, uh, mainly because he has really been outstanding in the playoffs here. And, and Denny has kind of been there. Yeah. But you said this last week, I think, or the week before, that you know he is really flying under the radar yeah. a lot. But I, I like... Chase being as aggressive as he's been, it seems like that he just continues to improve as a driver and them as a team. And I really think that he'll be a factor to get that win that he needs this Sunday. Yeah, I think as we look at Denny's numbers and you say 5.5, 5.5 is mid-pack in this group. Mid-pack's not going to get you to homestead. Uh, I think when we look at, at Chase's numbers and you look at what he's done in the playoffs, uh, and take this piece out of the equation right here, what we're seeing on the screen. But you look at what Chase has done in the playoffs, the second-place finishes, laps led, stage wins, running up front. That's not invisible. That's a player right there. And I think even before we got to this point, uh, I know I had the big three, uh, the two Kyles and, and Truex making it all the way to Homestead, but I had this guy as my, as my fourth choice making it to Homestead, Chase Elliott. Yeah, and I think that, that Denny Hamlin's really going to have to step his game up here. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've been solid, and that's good that you get uh, some solid finishes, but it's about more than that yeah. now. You know, Kyle Busch uh, understood that Sunday. Uh, he got himself in a position, took that win, and, and moved on. And, of course, going to Texas, everybody knows that you, you better gather some stage points and all the points that you can because – 
you're going to have to outrun Martin Truex. And, and if you're able to do that to get a win, then, then that would be great. But that's going to be the tough thing to do this Sunday. Yeah, I think we both take Chase over Denny on this one. Uh, just a quick aside then to the specific matchup. We've talked a lot about this repave, reconfiguration. How important is the weekend from start to finish? When we brought in this new playoff format, we highlighted that every second of the weekend is going to matter. But now as these teams try to collect more information for these playoff drivers, what matters? I think that taking notes from what you did and, and what you did certainly uh, in the first race is going to make some yeah. difference. But you're going to have a truck race. You're going to have an Xfinity race. So you're going to see a little bit different racetrack yeah. than what you saw. And plus you had 500 miles that you raced on back earlier in the year. So I wouldn't necessarily take the, the drivers that we saw well. And in particular, you know, what Jimmy Johnson did to win there, I don't think that's yeah. going to work here this time. I think you have to make some changes. And I think that uh, other people that have been on an uptick, such as Chase Elliott that we are just talking about. Those are the ones that I'll be looking at, not necessarily who did well in the first race. Yeah, and, and even if you look at the racetrack, Carolyn, and as we say, uh, there's three different races. There's a truck race, the Xfinity race, then the cup race. Yes, uh, this is the second race. Yes, this has time to age during the summer when it gets to 190 degrees <laughs> out there and things change. But there's 40 cars going down there, and they're all in the same boat, uh, basically. And yes, they've got that first race to draw off of, but they'll tweak and they'll adjust, and it always works out. The guys that go into that race with some some momentum and have been running well will continue to run well. I don't see anybody that hasn't jumped out of the pack so far and beat uh, Martin Truex or beat Kyle Busch or, or beat Chase Elliott and gotten in front of those guys. I don't see any of those other guys really making Texas their home right now. It's just a, such a different story where Joe Gibbs Racing is now than they were the last time we saw them at Texas. But let's move on to Kevin Harvick. Let's discuss uh, his post-race conversation with Ryan Blaney and also where these two stack up against each other. Blaney, very strong at Texas back in the spring, won both stages, led the most laps. Harvick rung up six straight top tens after Texas, or at Texas, excuse me. Um, Kyle, why don't we start with you on this one? I'm going to tell you, if we're, if we're just going to go through this pack and you guys are going to put two drivers head-to-head -head and we're going to have to talk about these are the two most even, uh, almost, that I see, honestly. Um, I, don't, I don't see – I've seen Blaney have just flashes of brilliant, just go out and just make all the right moves, do all the right things, and still come up a little short. But at the same time, I've seen Kevin Harvick do the same thing this year lead, win stages, but not be able to put that last stage together or that last part of the race together to win the race. Uh, they both had mistakes on pit road. They both had issues with mechanical failures. Uh, these guys stack up pretty even. It's really hard to take one over the other. The only thing that Kevin Harvick has going for him, and I said this on Sunday, and I'll say it again, and he come out of there Sunday with a fifth-place finish. When his back's against the wall, when it's down to the, to the time when you've got to make something happen, Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers can make something happen. Kevin Harvick picks that team up, picks that car up, and carries it on his back, and somehow he salvages something from nothing. Yeah, Blaney did have an outstanding yes. run, uh, did well in the stages, and he was just very solid. But I I'm not sure that they have continued to progress as much as what Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childress have on these mile-and-a-half racetracks. And uh, I know that both of them have the Doug Yates horsepower, so yeah. that's going to benefit them. But uh, just as you said, it, when I look at this matchup, I look at experience more than anything else. And you talk about those six straight top ten finishes for Harvick, that, that's going to say something. He's going to put himself – 
in a position yeah. to have a good solid top five to gather stage points to do everything right. And if things should somehow work out, find himself in a position to battle uh, with uh, the Toyotas because yeah. I think that everybody thinks and knows there's a little bit of an advantage uh, they have there between their equipment and their drivers doing a great job. So when I look at this, I, I would put Harvick, yeah. uh, give him a little bit of an advantage, even though Blaney led all those yeah. laps. I, I am going to say this, and, and we talked about it Sunday uh, after the race. It was really interesting to watch Kevin or Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott go at it and then watch Kevin Harvick and Ryan Blaney stand on pit road and talk to each other and point fingers and tap at each other. It's a changing of the guard. You've got the older guys with, with Kevin Harvick uh, and with Denny Hamlin and this young group that we've talked about, these young guns that are coming in, they're making their presence known. Uh, and I'm telling you, I, I think the 21 car, I, I do agree. I, I do have to take Kevin over, over Blaney, but I think Blaney has made his presence known this year and is going to be a contender for a long time. It seemed like everybody's been talking about whether there'll be retaliation with Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin, but to your point, Kyle, it, it seemed like Kevin Harvick was doing most of the talking after the race at Martinsville, and Ryan Blaney was doing a lot of listening, but then gave him that tap at the end to let him know. Do you expect Ryan Blaney to be particularly aggressive more than he has already shown us? Do you think that that maybe got under his skin a little bit, that hey, he belongs in the Cup Series, too. He's in the playoffs, too. You know, these, these veterans approaching them in this way, maybe he's got something to prove. Look, there's, there's eight drivers in the playoffs. Every one of them is going to be aggressive. Every one of them is going to take, take, take. That's what these races are about. The next three races, take a position, take a point away from somebody else, block somebody, do something, be aggressive. Uh, I don't think Martinsville is going to have come into any of them's mind by the time we get to Texas. Because for these guys, when we get to Texas, they're not looking back at Martinsville. They're looking forward to Homestead. They've got to make something happen for these teams uh, to be able to move into that. And they don't have time to play games. I don't have time to retaliate against Dale Jarrett. My job is to beat everybody, 39 other people, and move on to Homestead. Yeah, you can't get your job done that you need to do if that's what's on your mind, and it's not going to be. But I expect Ryan Blaney to be just as aggressive yes. as he has been. You know, I think that was probably a learning moment from him. You know, I'm sure that Kevin Harvick, as he stood there giving his lecture, that there were some good points yeah. in there. And Ryan Blaney probably, after he got back Sunday night and then even into Monday, figured out that there's some things to take away from some things that Kevin Harvick said. But he's not going to race him any differently when it gets to, to Texas on Sunday. He's got to give everything that he possibly possibly can to try to gather every point and put himself in a position to try to capitalize at the end of this race too. Kyle, any retaliation to our Dale Jarrett would <laughs> cause an outcry on social media. And I would be chiming in as well. Do not, do uh, not retaliate. Hands off, I'm DJ. setting on my hands. <laughs> but, case, on my but case in point, you're so involved in social media and we got so many questions and thoughts after Martinsville. So we wanted to throw this idea out to the fans that Steve Letarte and Jeff Burton are going to be answering your questions live on the air during Sunday's Monster Energy Cup Series race. So you've been using that hashtag Victory Lap. Use the hashtag AskNBC if you have thoughts about what is happening during the race and why that's happening, and you can get your thoughts to them that way, and they'll answer them live on the air. Much more still to come today on NASCAR America, including thoughts from Sirius XM's Pete Pistoni on what's really behind the heat that Denny Hamlin has been taking since Martinsville. We're going to spotlight Jimmy Johnson's work in the community as he is a finalist for this year's Comcast Community Champion Award. And we'll talk with Texas Motor Speedway President Eddie Gossage, who's been hard at work prepping for this playoff weekend. That and more when we come back.
It's a NASCAR Playoffs doubleheader weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Saturday night, the Xfinity Series races at 8.30 Eastern. And Sunday, it's the Cup Series at 2 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Here is a look at a few of the memorable moments that NASCAR has had in the Lone Star State. We're ready to go racing. 500 around here. Jimmy Johnson, the fastest gun in the West here today. Once again, the king of Texas. Well, hell, everything's bigger in Texas, baby. Punches flying off left and right down here. It is a mob scene on pit road here in Texas. Uh-oh. Oh, we got a fight breaking out. Yeah, Jeff's not happy. How about this kid? Checkered flag, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is Texas Motor Speedway's winner. Moments are made at Texas, and the president of Texas Motor Speedway, Eddie Gossage, joins us now on the phone. Kind enough to chat with us during a very busy weekend at the track. Thanks for being with us. You are a masterful promoter, Eddie. You are always finding creative ways to just enhance the season's best storylines. How much do you enjoy that process? Oh, it's the fun part of the job. Everything else pretty much is uh, just nothing but work, but but that's the fun stuff. And, and uh, certainly we've got some stuff to work with this week with the playoffs and with uh, Denny Hamlin and and uh, Chase Elliott and all kinds of good things. Uh, uh, our friend Kevin Harvick and uh, Ryan Blaney, love both of those guys, but uh, we can look into that one too. So we've got lots going on. Okay, you know, we talk about it every year. You talk about, uh, I don't even know where to go with you, to be totally honest with you. I don't, I don't know where to go. I'm so excited to have you on here. So um, we talk about it every year, the, the position of the races uh, in, in each stage. You come after Martinsville. Is that where you want to be after Martinsville, after the drivers that you just mentioned? Because there always seems to be com something coming out of there that you can capitalize on. Well, you know, in a perfect world, we would come after Phoenix. We'd be the season finale. But if that's not the case, you want to come after Martinsville or Talladega because after both of those races, everybody's mad at everybody. And uh, there's always a, some storylines coming out. And certainly from, from Martinsville last weekend, there's some stories coming out of that one that we didn't quite see uh, happening. And it, it does make it more interesting. Although, let's be honest, at 195 miles an hour, I'm not sure that they're, uh, they're going to be getting retribution this weekend or anything like that. Uh, the, the, the playoffs are on the line. There's a lot out on the line out here. But it's going to be intense. And you never know, uh, as you guys just saw in that video, some things happen uh, here at Texas as well. Hey, Eddie, it's Dale Jarrett. And, you know, every morning this week after what transpired at Martinsville and the things that have happened with the Cowboys and their running back there, I have been waiting for Eddie Gossage to break some news. Now, I know you have to live in that area 365 days a year, so you don't want to ruffle things too much. But I really expected you to come out and say, hey, come over here Saturday and Sunday. Our Elliots, Sadler on Saturday, Chase on Sunday, will be participating. Well, I've lost a step, apparently, Dale. Because um, <laughs> so, that truly had never crossed my mind. But I appreciate you picking up the phone and calling me and <laughs> suggesting early this week. Uh, that's a great line. And I will use it this weekend. We just prefer to uh, spring those on you on live TV, Eddie. That's, that's, that's what we, but, but with Chase Elliott, when did you first know that he had made such an impression on the fans. I think after Martinsville, a lot of us realized what he means to the sport moving forward. Did you know that about Chase Elliott already? 
Oh, I, I think so, and here's why. Um, uh, Chase Elliott, well, first of all, the way I judge popularity has to do with merchandise sales. Who sells the most T-shirts, jackets, caps, die-casts, that kind of thing? And Dale Jr. has been, the, you know, obviously the number one guy for a long time, but Chase Elliott has been number two for the last uh, little more than a season now. And so we knew the fans were in love with him, but I think that sound you heard about uh, 30 seconds after their little get-together on the back straightaway after the race were all the junior fans saying, hey, I got my driver now. I know who I'm pulling for. So I think uh, Chase's you know, audience, his, his supporters, grew exponentially last Sunday. So, uh, you know, we went to work, and we developed a little campaign for social media and whatnot uh, last Sunday night about uh, Chase at the people's champion here at the Great American Speedway. <laughs> we loved that when we saw it. And if he is passing the torch from Junior, if it goes to Chase Elliott, with Junior's retirement, we have seen you hand out such outlandish retirement gifts over the years. Jeff Gordon got some ponies. Tony Stewart got a life-size bobblehead. What hints can you tell us about what may be in store for Dale Earnhardt Jr. this weekend? Well, it's not so much what Texas Motor Speedway has given to uh, Dale and saluting the Junior Nation tomorrow morning. It's how uh, we're going to do it. <laughs> and um, so I'll just I'll leave it at that and just tell you that I'm probably going to retire after tomorrow morning because <laughs> I don't know where to go now. So. You can't do that to us. You cannot do that to us. We're going to have some fun with it, and I, I'm sure Dale is going to really get a kick out of it as well. I, I, I can't wait. I, 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 I need to go here. I mean, you talk to great American sweethearts. Victory Lane's on fire. Every time there's somebody in Victory Lane, we see the flames. Six shooters. You got monkeys selling programs down there. That's been one of your big promotions and stuff. But it all comes back to the fans, and they refer to Texas Motor Speedway as our Speedway, one of the few places that we go where the local population refer to it as our Speedway. Uh, how much do you listen to the fans and how important is that to you? Well, you know, Bruton Smith, who is the chairman of the company, he uh, told us a long time ago, we work for the fans, all of us. And, and Marcus Smith, he and I have been together all day long. Uh, you know, that's who you work for. And if you listen to your customers, they'll tell you what they want. And, you know, when you come here, we're going to have fun. Uh, that's why there's monkey selling programs or, or ponies or whatever uh, the case may be. You're not going to get this at some other speedway. Um, every speedway has its personality and that kind of thing. And so here we, we, listen to the fans, try to do what they want us to do. Uh, you know, I'm excited. $10 uh, tickets on Sunday, reserve seat for kids. Uh, Friday night for the trucks, Saturday night for the Xfinity Series, it's free for kids. Those kind of things, I, I, get a, I just love that because it's the right way to do things for your customers. We're the only people in Dallas-Fort Worth that don't charge for parking uh, at uh, major sporting events. Well, that's not the right thing to do, to, in my mind, in auto racing. And uh, I can tell you, Jerry Jones once asked me, what are you thinking? Why aren't you charging? Well, it's just not what you do in auto racing. So, um, you know, we do we do right by the fans, and the fans will do right by us. Andy, so, so to speak of the race, you have three races, and, and obviously all of them uh, will have a big impact on the, the champion, uh, who that may be in each of those series. But you did a repave job. Uh, the drivers that I talked with and what we listened to really liked what they saw in, in the spring race. Have you done anything to the track uh, surface since that time? 
Uh, well, you know, Dell, we did reconfigure the track in the off season uh, before our April race, and that included changing the banking in turns one and two. Uh, you know, initially it was 24 degrees and it was uh, 60 feet wide. Uh, when we reconfigured things, we made turns one and two 20 degrees, 85 feet wide. So it's a super wide uh, down in turns one and two. But turns three and four are still the original 24 degrees, 60 feet wide. So uh, if you're good in one end, you might not be quite as good in the other end and vice versa for the other guys. But uh, the only thing we've done since April is we've run the, the Tire Monster the and the Kentucky Tire Dragon, two devices that work to put rubber into the surface to try and help, you know, age this track a little bit earlier than it uh, might otherwise happen on its own. And, and I think the drivers appreciate that. And the racing, we had really great racing in April, and I think we're going to have even better racing this weekend. We appreciate you being with us. We know you're busy, but can you send a couple 88 pretzels to my boys, Kyle and DJ? Can you send those? Absolutely. <laughs> you got to have a Junior Nation pretzel while you're here this weekend True in the that. shape of the 88. So uh, Absolutely. Uh, we got... We have lots of plans and lots of ways we're saluting the Junior Nation, and pretzels are just one of them. Eddie, thank you so much. Best of luck this weekend. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, still to come on the show, Jimmy Johnson is racing for an eighth championship, of course, but he is also a finalist for this year's Comcast Community Champion Award, and we're going to show you how his foundation is helping to improve public education across the country. That's when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. The NASCAR community is very close-knit. If you're watching, you probably know that already. And two years ago, the Comcast Community Champion of the Year Award was created to highlight some of the stories of charitable efforts from those in the sport. And the award supports those efforts through both public recognition and also by donations provided by Comcast to the affiliated charities of the top three finalists. And here they are for this year. So last week, if you were with us, we took a closer look at the Chip Ganassi Racing Pit Crew Department as they worked to support Support local charities in the Charlotte region. Brad Kozlowski's Checkered Flag Foundation honors, supports, and helps the recovery of military veterans through various efforts around the country. And Jimmy Johnson and his wife Chandra lead the Jimmy Johnson Foundation, which focuses on providing grants towards public education. And the foundation has contributed more than $11 million to various organizations since its inception back in 2006. We started the Jimmy Johnson Foundation to assist children, families, and communities in need. Currently, we focus on K-12 public education. Uh, for us, giving back has just been something that Shane and I have done since we were teenagers. Um, we both participated in Habitat for Humanity builds. I spent a lot of time going to children's hospitals and trying to put a smile on a, on a child's face. I really enjoyed spending our time giving back, and we decided to start our foundation. We are here today to announce the Jimmy Johnson Foundation. We got it up and going, and it's it's been beyond our wildest dreams. Thank you, our focus of late has really been on public education, and it's largely because um, Shane and I both came through public education. Uh, my mom was a school bus driver. I don't know, it's just been close to us. The schools, we all know that they need help and funding, and um, we just, we really, followed our heart and that's where it was leading us and it's been awesome. Who is Jimmy Johnson? To many, he's just a great race car driver, but to me, he's a generous giving man and I remember doing what he has done. And it's truly changed my life. 
My first experience with the Jimmy Johnson Foundation was in like seventh grade and it funded our engineering programs like uh, RoboPro and just a bunch of cool stuff that we just learned from. And it really inspired me to want to be a mechanical engineer, which I'm pursuing now at SDSU. Our biggest um, funding program is the Champions Grant Program. By the end of 2017, the foundation will have donated over $11 million to K-12 public schools and nonprofit organizations. The Jimmy Johnson Foundation funded a grant that gave Kip Charlotte laptops and smartboards. Something different clicked when we got new technology. It sort of brought the school up to date. It's difficult in education sometimes to get funding to acquire the resources we need, especially odd resources like automotive equipment and tools. This grant that's really allowed us to reach a new high in this program and allow these students to move forward. And it's gonna last for many, many years. I'm looking at industrial design right now, which has definitely been impacted by this class. Just knowing so much now that I do, it really, it really uh, changed my view on what I wanted to do with my life. You see the children in the schoolroom or using the, tech, the, the tools that we've provided, and then you think, oh, that's, that's the top. Well, then you hear two, three, four, five years later, the impact that made on that child's life. So it inspired me to go to Miramar and to go further in my education. I want to be a business manager. The Jimmy Johnson Foundation has definitely played a role in that. Jimmy and Shani are both very kind-hearted people. Like, that's just ingrained in who they are. Thank you. Thank you. Interacting with the kids, that's one of the more rewarding things for me. They send me pictures every time we have a Make-A-Wish child. And I know it's one of Jimmy's favorite things to do, to be able to grant somebody's wish. It's very special to him. At the end of the day, we just want to make a difference. We just want to help. And uh, you know, I, I personally have had a lot of people believe in me to help me f fulfill my dreams and create uh, a life for my family. And to know that we can do that for others, um, kind of at the end of the day, is what it's all about. It's amazing what his foundation has done. And, and you know, they talk about giving $11 million, he and, and Shani. Um, but more importantly, they give time. Yeah. They give time. Those two give their time. When there's very little of it left, they're out there doing something. And it is amazing what they've been able to do under the, the Jimmy Johnson Foundation to change the lives of so many kids. Yeah, Kyle, and you're heavily involved uh, with your uh, situation in the camp and everything there. And when you see champions take the time to do this, I think you hit the nail on the head right there, is that they not only write the checks, yeah. but they're there participating to show just how much it means to them. And then here, yeah, there's nothing better. You know, we, we've all been very fortunate through this sport uh, to accumulate a lot of things and meet a lot of people. But when you make difference in people's lives, uh, that's really what it's all about. And uh, Jimmy and Shani do a great job of that. You know, he's a champion uh, far away from the racetrack yes. also. Yeah, the thing I love the most is that they know the value of public education. Like yeah. they said, they've been there. It really, really matters to them. I don't know how you choose a winner, but the winner <laughs> is going to be awarded um, on November 16th for that honor. Uh, one of Jimmy's crew members, though, is part of this week's nominees for our NBC Pick Crew All-Stars. That crew member is Kyle Tudor, who also doubles as a jackman for Xfinity playoff driver Justin Allgaier. Tudor is a graduate of East Carolina University, where he was a standout linebacker for the Pirates football team. Next up, we have Milan Rudanovich. He's a gas man for Jamie McMurray, Xfinity playoff driver Brendan Poole at Chukinazi Racing as well, a nine-year veteran of the sport. Milan has contributed to two truck series titles in his career. And lastly, we have Colin Fambro, rear tire changer for Chris Buescher 
at JTG Doherty Racing. Fambro contributed to Cup Series titles for Jimmy Johnson in 2010 and also Brad Keselowski in 2012. So once again, this week's pit crew all-star nominees are Kyle Tudor from Hendrick Motorsports, Milan Rudanovich from Chip Ganassi Racing, and Colin Fambro from JTG Doherty Racing. We're going to reveal the 2017 pit crew all-star team during championship weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. Coming up, Sirius XM's Pete Pistoni joining us to debate whether Denny Hamlin was in the wrong because of what he did on Sunday or who he did it to and which playoff drivers in must-win mode at Texas. That's next. So much on the line. You want pressure, Rick? This is pressure. Eight drivers will move on to start the round of eight. Martin Truex Jr. is going to win the first race of the playoffs. Kyle Busch will win. Nothing is automatic in the playoffs. Keselowski is going to win at Talladega. Drama at a peak level. We are revving up your Wednesday mornings with the help of Sirius XM. You can catch NASCAR on NBC personalities every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern on The Morning Drive with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistoni. That is Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. And Pete joins us as he does every week. So, Pete, you have posed a provocative question here on the show. What is at the heart of the backlash from this incident between Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott at Martinsville? Is it what Hamlin did or who he did it to. What say the fans on the show? I'm starting to feel like, we talked about this now for four days, guys, that it is who Denny Hamlin ran into that's really causing a lot of the angst out there. He ran into the guy who's going to be the heir apparent to be the most popular driver in this sport once Dale Earnhardt Jr. retires, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott almost had a win. He was only two laps away from his first career victory we had so many fans tell us this week that they felt like Denny Hamlin took something away from them, that they were there that day to see history made and only two laps from the finish on a short track because Denny Hamlin hit him. It took that opportunity away from them. So I, I, we've had bump and runs forever in this sport. And I think if Denny Hamlin would have done that to, oh, I don't know, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, any other veteran driver, people would have talked about it. But I think getting to the root of this, it's because of who he hit. And that's Chase Elliott and his immense popularity, guys. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I, I think I look at it. I look at it different. I look at what Denny did more so than who he did it to. But I realized when we had the same type thing happen uh, between the 20 car of Matt Kenseth and the 22 of Joey Logano, uh, people were on Matt Kenseth's side. I could not comprehend that. Could not comprehend that because I thought what Matt did was wrong. But it was about who Matt did it to. The fans did not like Joey Logano. So they were on Matt Kenza's side. Now we're in the reverse of that situation, and people are on the guy that got dumped, the 24 guy, uh, Chase Elliott. So I, I think it is about more, more than the action, because I don't think fans sometimes comprehend, and I hate to say that, but they don't understand what just happened in front of them. They just see their guy get dumped. They just see their guy in a wreck. That's all they see. Uh, but I think when Denny had his wheels jacked up halfway down the backstretch, uh, that's not good anywhere. But... If it was somewhere else, that would have been different. Now, I'm going to say this, and I said it the other night. If the, the 18 car of Kyle Busch had dumped Denny, he would have got all those fans back on his side, and you'd have quit booing Kyle Busch from then on. <laughs> Pete, what do you think about that? 
I think he's right. I mean, again, it's all whatever prism you're looking at this through. I mean, that that's what it is. It's like there are black hats and white hats, and that's great. And listen, I'm not going to tell anybody ever that you shouldn't be a fan of somebody or you should not be a fan of someone, but that's what this is all about. The other thing that sort of I wrestled with all week, because Kyle, I'm like you, grew up in the sport, been around it forever, right? Well, I'm starting to understand now that where we are now with this playoff format, I, if I don't condone the behavior, I can I can at least understand it because of what's been ramped up here with these playoffs. This This is a different world we're in right now. And again, whether you like it or not, to me, at least I can understand what's going on in some of these drivers' minds when in that split second they've got to make that decision of winning, losing, or going to Miami and running for a championship, which I think was what happened to Denny Hamlin on Sunday. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it, it's we talk about it a lot. Dale Jarrett, uh, Jeff Burton, myself, the guys, you know, on NBC, we'll sit and talk about it. It's a different type of racing than what we race. Um, do I like it? I like parts of it. I don't like all of it. I can't imagine the pressure that these guys are under. These eight guys in this round then ramps up again when you go to four. I can't imagine that pressure. I, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of what goes on on the racetrack, but I do understand. And I'm going to say this. Dale Jarrett and, and Jeff and I were talking. When we came along, David Pearson and, and, and Daryl Waltrip and those guys, they didn't like the way we raced. It's another generation. You look at it differently and you relate it to how you did it, but you're seeing something totally different. We have to take it for what it is, and the pressure is immense. Should there be a new set of rules, Pete, with the new playoff format? No, I don't think so. I think the last thing, I think the one thing we all agree on is we don't want more rules. I think we want NASCAR to sort of let things happen. I think there's been a little too much over-officiating, in my view. Listen, if this happened on a weekly basis, then it's a completely different animal. Then maybe you do have to have the sanctioning body intervene. But this happened on a short track. This happened at Martinsville. This has happened at Martinsville many, 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 many times. And it's happened in this format that we've got right now with the playoffs. If it happens again at Texas and it happens again at Phoenix, then I think we got a bit of an epidemic on our hands. But as of now, I'm good with NASCAR just letting itself play itself out. And let's just go racing this week at Texas. It does seem that some of the unwritten rules are being rewritten at some of these playoff races with this exciting new format. Before we let you go, Pete, do you think that there is a must-win driver heading into this weekend's race? I think there is. And for me, guys, it's the same guy that I thought was a must-win driver last week at Martinsville, and that's Jimmy Johnson. Kyle Busch is already in Miami. We already know that Martin Truex Jr. would have to have an alien abduction not to make it to Miami. So there's two spots left. I can make a case for all six that are left to get to Miami. The guy I'd have the toughest time making a case for, and it's I can't believe I'm saying this, is Jimmy Johnson. I'm just not seeing it out of them. And I think if he doesn't somehow, some way, and I think it's a long shot, find a win to win, or find a way to win Sunday at Texas, I don't think Jimmy Johnson's going to be running for an eighth championship this year. So a lot of people are saying, Pete, thank you. We will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Coming up, Darian Grubb is a champion crew chief. And next season, he'll guide one of NASCAR's brightest young talents in William Byron. We will hear from Grubb about how he and Byron plan to continue the 24's winning tradition. That's next. Tonight is Thursday Night Football, the NFL and the AFC East battle in New York between the Bills and the Jets. That one is tonight at 8 o'clock over on NFL Network. And in case you missed it yesterday, veteran crew chief Darian Grubb will be back on the pit box full-time next season. Hendrick Motorsports announced that Grubb as crew chief for William Byron in the number 24 team next year, Byron's rookie campaign in the Cup Series. When the news came out, Grubb spoke with our Dave Burns about the opportunity to guide one of NASCAR's top young stars. 
So let's ask the man himself. Uh, Darian, you're now going to be the crew chief for one of the hottest young drivers going for rookie of the year next year. What's that going to be like for you? Having William Byron come in is going to be a lot of fun and a lot of excitement for what we're bringing into Hendrick Motorsports and uh, being able to carry on that winning tradition of the 24 team is, is going to be a lot of fun. I won't say the other guys that you worked with were old, but they were older than William. All right. So first time working with a rookie, what changes will you have to make in your approach as you deal with him? A lot of it's just going to be learning what he doesn't know about the how the history of the races and how they work and what's going on with strategy and scenarios obviously with the longer events from what he's used to from k and and arca and the xfinity and truck series it's going to change things up a little bit but from he's a pretty big student of the sport he's a pretty bright individual and i think he's already got most of it down pat i was going to ask you that what things has he already proven to you that you don't need to worry about He's just a racer, and he studies. He works hard at it. He's really trying hard every day. Uh, he does a lot of work in our simulator with the Chevrolet program. And just seeing what he's done there, he, he's a student of the game. He's really working hard, and he's learning every day. Darren and I caught up a couple of weeks ago at Charlotte, and most of our talk was about the five car this year, uh, the people, the pieces and parts, that sort of thing. But while you've been on the road this fall, was it also a little bit of a trial for you to see if you wanted to be back in the crew chief role on the road every weekend? It was a little bit of that, just trying to see how the systems work and how obviously the races run differently now with the stages. I was always behind the scenes and be able to say, you shouldn't have made that call or you should make this call. Now I'm the guy out there making that call. So it's, it's a little bit interesting for me to try to learn and see what's going on different. But working with the team again has, has been a lot of fun, and I'm really excited about working with this whole five group. So William's running for the Xfinity Series Championship while you're trying to finish things out with Casey Kane. How do you not trip over each other thinking about 2018 and, and let each other finish up? We both have goals in mind for what we're trying to do for the rest of the 2017 season. We're trying to make sure that the five team finishes top 10 in points. Uh, and we're work we worked all the way up to 11th now. We're trying to continue that role. And he's obviously running for the Xfinity Championship as well. So we're not going to stumble on those. Those are our first goals. But we're trying to communicate in the background and work on prep for next year. And things like seats and all the other things we have to do to get him ready for next season, we've already got in process. You've known Casey a long time. And, and short of a win before the season's over, what are some of the goals you'd like to see for him and, and to see him right off into the Hendrick sunset uh, with a good shot. It's really top 10 in points is the goal for us, and uh, we're not too far out of that right now. And it's a win. I mean, Casey deserves a win. He's, he's run really well. He got the win in Indy this year. We want to cap it off with another one so he can go out with a smile on his face. You can sense the excitement in his voice. The veteran crew chief, Darian Grubb, being teamed up with rookie William Byron next year. Thanks, Dave. There's plenty of excitement ahead. And as Dave just mentioned, William Byron right now looking to make the championship four in the Xfinity Series, currently second in the round of eight with junior motorsports teammates above and below him, the leader, Dustin Allgaier, and third place, Elliot Sadler. Our coverage of Saturday's Xfinity Series race begins at 8 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. Coming up next, we're going to continue to match our playoff drivers head-to-head. -head. Can Kyle Busch cast some doubt on title favorite Martin Truex Jr.? And who has the edge between Jimmy Johnson and Brad Keselowski? We'll find out, but first, let's look back at one of the top moments of the season brought to you by Coca-Cola. Big contact right there. The 18 trying to force his way in, got into the 22. Those two got sideways. A lot of smoke coming out of the back of the 22 now. Smoke still coming out of the 22. How long will that tire last? There it is. And around goes the 22. Caution comes out. You could see that coming. You could see the speed come out of the 22 car. You had to know the air was coming out of that left rear tire. Just couldn't take it that long.
Our coverage from Texas starts tomorrow at 1 Eastern with Cup Series practice, and that sets up two big playoff races this weekend. Xfinity Series on Saturday, Cup Series on Sunday, and it all goes down at No Limits Texas. Hall of Famer Ken Squire has more. There's no need for cliche descriptions of everything being bigger in Texas. That's just how Texas is. It is a speedway with swagger, a structure built on showmanship. Honestly, the biggest thing about Texas, the track is fast. Everything builds off that. Speed becomes scale. Scale becomes spectacle. No cliches, no exaggeration, just excitement and plenty of it. So work your way low, work your way low one more time. This Fort Worth track broke the mold of mile and a half ovals. The inaugural 500 is won by South Boston, Virginia's Jeff Burton. There's an energy, not just in the racing, but how this facility is run. They haul out the big guns for victory lane, and anyone that wants to win this race has big shoes to fill. This is the toast of the town. Now wait, did I say no cliches were necessary? I guess I just got carried away. That's easy to do when you think of the fights. Holy fuck! Woo! The finishes. That's Texas Motor Speedway for you. What do you think will happen this time? Don't be afraid to use big imagination. After all, this is Texas. Nobody does that better than Ken Squire. While we have a couple minutes here on the show, though, let's hit our last two playoff matchups for the weekend. A question remains for the seven-time winner at Texas, Jimmy Johnson. What does he bring in this weekend? And Brad Keselowski seeking his first win at Texas, but he has led the most laps there of any driver without a win. What do you see, DJ, for these two? Well, Brad can lead laps, but I think that he would just make that number 590 if it could be the last lap and he yeah. could get a win. But that's going to be tough. Uh, and Jimmy Johnson hasn't shown me uh, anything that tells me that yeah. I know he won yeah. back there uh, earlier this year, but there's just nothing that tells me that that he and this team is going to be able to compete. Brad has shown some speed at, at times. Yeah. It's just a matter that they get into those long runs, and it doesn't seem the Fords are quite as good as the Toyotas in that situation. So if I'm looking at this matchup, um, God, I'd have to give Brad a little bit yeah. of an edge. Yeah, even as much as Brad has talked about their lack of performance on a mile-and-a-half racetrack, I have to give Brad the edge here also. Because it, and how many times have we heard and have we said, oh, Jimmy owns Dover. Oh, Jimmy owns Martinsville. Oh, Jimmy owns Texas. He must have leased those other two places, maybe leased out <laughs> Texas this year too, because I've not seen him own anywhere this year. They just haven't had the speed. And along with not having the speed, one of their teammates, Chase Elliott, is basically kicking their rear end week in and week out. At least when you go to the Penske camp, the strongest car there right now is Brad Kay. He's leading that team. He's leading that team in speed, what they're doing on the racetrack. Joey's had some bright spots recently, and he's had an abysmal year. Uh, but Brad is still leading that team. I think for, for Jimmy to get back in the driver's seat, he has to show that he can run up front, lead laps, and win one of these races for us to even consider him moving on the homestead. Start with qualifying yes. better tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, how about the Titans of the playoffs so far this year? Martin Truex Jr., 
his unprecedented success on the mile and a half this year. That has been very well documented. And then Kyle Busch has wins at Texas in both 2013 and 2016. DJ, what do you think Kyle Busch's motivation this weekend is for a win? He's into the playoffs, but what would he be trying to prove? Uh, that uh, he can win at a mile and a half, too. And, and also, this is the last mile and a half before Homestead. So you send a little bit of a message. If he can go beat Martin Truex this weekend, it puts a little bit of doubt in Martin Truex's head that, hey, here's somebody else that runs yeah. really well on a mile and a half, too. I, I think it's a tall order. Yeah. Kyle Busch is going to have to run outstanding, which he's very capable of doing. But I really believe that's the motivation behind that this weekend is, is to say, okay, here, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to beat you yeah. uh, at Texas, and then we'll go to Homestead and race for this. But I can win at a mile and a half also. Yeah, and, and that is a, that's a great point. I look at this matchup as career years. Um, and what I'm saying, what I mean by that is when, when Kyle Busch broke his leg, set out that long, came back and had that stretch of run races to get into the playoffs and then that stretch through the playoffs to win the championship, career moments all during that period of time for Kyle Busch. This year, if we go back to Daytona all the way to last week at Martinsville, there have been career moments for Martin Truex. Seven wins. He went into this year with seven career wins, and he's won seven times this year. He became the all-time leading winner uh, on, on mile-and-a-half racetracks in a single season. So many things he's done this year had never been done before in his career, much less in NASCAR, some of them. So when I look at it, I have to say Martin Truex just because it's his year. Yeah, and from the other side, what does Truex do? He says, okay, I go win Texas. I'm the king of the mile yeah, and a half. Uh, that. That's documented already, and you're going to have to outrun me at Homestead if you plan on being the champion. All right, there are some questions that need to be answered this weekend at Texas. Don't forget, we mentioned this earlier on in the show, but if you are curious about something that's going on during the race, you can ask our analysts. Use that hashtag, AskNBC. Send it to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and we'll find you. Um, and then if you have questions after it all goes down, you can use the hashtag, VictoryLap, and we'll bring you those questions on our show as well. Tomorrow's coverage from Texas Motor Speedway gets underway with cut practice at 1 p.m. Eastern, and that is followed by NASCAR America. We will see you then. Thanks so much for watching. Have a great weekend and enjoy the race. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.